wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil. This is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. The grass withers and the flowers fall. And our New Testament reading is from 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 5, 56 through 58. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thanks, Nathan. Uh, I'm going to now attempt what, uh, what Henry Henniger once encouraged me to do, to uh, shorten a homily into a hum, because we're pressed a little bit here. Um, would you pray with me? Father, we're grateful to turn to your word. Uh, we're grateful that you uh, continue this day even to enact your word through, uh, through this meal that you've laid for us. Um, but also as we see the fruit of uh, your word going out, as we see our children declaring publicly their faith in you. And so we're thankful that we're squished for time because so much good is happening through, uh, through your church here at Rock Creek and in us. So be with us now. Uh, draw our attention and our imagination and our hearts to rest on you uh, for this time. Amen. Well, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, you'll know we were preaching through Ecclesiastes, which is the one book uh, from early on that I was smart enough to know that I would hope to never have to preach from. It is a really difficult book in many ways. It's uh, enigmatic. And even as we read that passage, Rachel looked over to me and said, this is a tough one. And, uh, and I agree with her. It's been a hard one uh, and, a, and a great one to wrestle through this week. But um, just a quick reminder, a couple of quick reminders. Uh, although never declared out loud in the book, it seems like this book was written by Solomon. He calls himself the son of David. He's a wise person. Tradition holds that, that Solomon was the writer of this book. Um, and he calls himself Kohelet, which translates probably to teacher or it could mean collector. And so, that, so, so uh, Solomon uh, could be considered the, the gatherer of this wisdom, the recorder of this, even as uh, it's clear throughout the book that he goes and he, he experiences, he pursues this wisdom and this experience. Can we turn down the mic just a bit? It's a little bit hot. Um, so, uh, and, the, and one major theme that we are, uh, that we're, that, that recurs in the book that Eric spent some time on in the uh, initial sermon on this, ta- on this series is, is this um, word that's variously translated as uh, vanity or meaninglessness or uh, wind or breath. And so uh, one of the things that we want to uh, encourage us that, that Kohelet wants us to see as we read this book and as we look at life that man is but a breath. That, uh, as scripture attests in many, many places, 
like, like the steam that rises from a boiling pot. It's there, but then it's gone. And so uh, he wants to remind us over and over again, as he does in the passage that we read today, that in about 100 years, no one will have any clue that you ever existed and everything that you've done will be undone by that time. Almost certainly, right? And how do we live? What does a good life look like? Okay, so that's why I never, ever wanted to preach from this book. Um, So we're going to talk about just two things as we zero in on one part of this, uh, this this passage from uh, from chapter 5. We're going to talk about a uh, gain that is hurtful and an inheritance that is healing. Gain that is hurtful and inheritance that is healing. <clears throat> we talk about gain that is hurtful. Uh, it says the, uh, in our passage that um, this, uh, this man worked for, if you'll, you can look in verse um, 13, 14, and there, uh, that, he, that wealth was hoarded to the harm of its owner. I like a different translation. This translation is fine, but it's poetry, right? So there's different nuances. And, uh, and another translation has this a little more concretely. It talks about a man who worked to gain wealth, um, but he hoarded it to his own hurt. And when you think about wealth to your own hurt, I think Chuck E. Cheese is probably the place that comes to mind. <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese is like the one parental guarantee of a miserable day. Not for the parents, like, it's okay, you get pizza and your kids play, but they're always going to come back mad, right? Almost all of them. So there's like three types of kids who enter Chuck E. Cheese. They all fall into this category, right? So there's the one type, you give them the bucket of coins. Here, go, so Chuck E. Cheese, you can get pizza there. That is garbage. Don't waste your time. And you can, uh, and you can get scared by a giant rat. And you can play games. There's like a big arcade. So some of the games are just fun and you shoot something and you get points and then the buzzers go off until you won because you always win at these games in Chuck E. Cheese. Or uh, the other kind of games has tickets and it spits out tickets and you can play a game and if you do really well, you get like three or four tickets. So there's a few, just three types of kids at Chuck E. Cheese. The first type gets their little thing of coins to go and play. Mom and dad said, here's your little cup, there's your coins, go have fun. And immediately they say, that's all? Wait, I, that's all I get? I can't, that's all the coins I get? And then they start looking to baby sister to like pluck a couple coins or to like trick baby sister. I'll give you a piece of pizza if you give me some coins. Kind of like Pastor Eric saying, it's free if you help. It's, it's already there. They get the pizza anyways, but you're trying to make you pay for it, right? So one type of kid is only obsessed with the fact that they don't have enough. And they're going to leave upset. And maybe they'll even leave with like, I didn't get to spend all these. Well, because you spent all your time trying to collect them. That's the point is to go spend them. Have fun. The second type of kid is the one who says, I'm going to get some tickets. Dang it. And they play games that they don't care anything about so that they can get tickets. You know, these, the games like the one that like loops a light 
And if you hit the buzzer at the right time and the light stops when you hit the buzzer, and it'll give you some tickets, and maybe you can get like 80 tickets if you hit it right, but usually you just get one or two. And you plug in the, the quarters the whole time, hit the buzzer, dang, two tickets. And the whole time, you don't care anything about the game, you just want the tickets so you can go to the, the counter afterwards, and you got like three pounds of tickets, and they give you like a rubber finger puppet and a Tootsie Roll. <laughs> Which is poor man's chocolate anyways. <laughs> Nobody wants that. As our passage would say, it's nothing but the wind. You get nothing. So they work the whole time be- making themselves miserable to get junk that they don't want. And then finally, the third type is the kid who's like, all right, tokens, and goes and like plays the whack-a-mole game. And then they get on the little pony that does this. And they're like, yes, the pony! And they're having a great time. And then they eat pizza and they go home. Our passage is telling us that we live at Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) That we have those options before us, right? Um, And the part that I want to zero in on is this father The father in the passage. Uh, I'm going to read from this other translation, very similar, just a little more specific. Um, There's a grievous evil that I've seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. And, knife to the gut, and he is a father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. This father is a double loser. He's wasted his life gaining wealth. And then in the end, he lost it on a bad venture, a bad business venture, an unwise move, a foolish grasping for more has cost him everything. Now not only did he play a game he hated the whole time at Chuck E. Cheese, he lost all the tickets in the end and has nothing to show for it. He's a double loser. You see, the father fell prey to the, uh, to the first temptation of wealth, and that is... Short-sighted entitlement. It's all mine because I earned it. Which is bad in itself, but then it gets coupled right uh, to the second temptation that comes right on the heels of that. And that is, the, that is this temptation. More is better if it's mine. More is better if it's mine. And that's what our passage is warning us against. Wealth that is hoarded to the hurt of the owner. And he says later, the, the, the rich eat so much they can't even sleep. This father experiences the emptiness of overfilling. Which always reminds me of Krispy Kreme donuts. It's a long way away from here, Krispy Kreme. There's not anything convenient. And so it doesn't matter what I'm on my way to on that side of town. If the light is on, the tires are squealing into Krispy Kreme. And you think, I just, I'm here alone. This is kind of like, it's like first sign of alcoholism is drinking alone. Krispy Kreme, similar thing. And you think, the light is on. I'm only over on this side of town, like, Almost never. I just want a few. I just want to take. How about just a dozen? Just a dozen this time. And the first one is wonderful. And the second one is pretty good. But by the time you get to the eighth one, 
You not only hate yourself, you hate everybody who's ever made a Krispy Kreme. I hate you guys. It's awful. Why did you bring this plague onto the world? That is the curse of wealth that is hoarded to the hurt of the owner. Because we fall into the trap and we say, this is mine. And if I get more of it, it'll be better. There's only one way to go, and that's to have more of that. I don't ever think of myself as that type of person until I eat Krispy Kremes. But I took this, um, this uh, personality test as a part of uh, this. I'm seeing a counselor because I'm all kinds of messed up. And one of the things he told me was to uh, do this personality test and then sign up for this daily email that would kind of remind you of how to kind of be, uh, play, you know, how to be your best self and not the crappy self, right? So my, my, my email is always saying things like this. Repeat this to yourself. I will not find happiness no matter how many things I possess today. <laughs> like, why are you saying that to me? Or, <laughs> or this one. Based on your personality, your natural inclinations, remember that you won't find your true self at the bottom of the bowl of ice cream. Did you get my test results mixed up with somebody else? I don't think, uh, that's not me. And then yesterday we were, um, we were making uh, lunch. The whole family's kind of gathered in the kitchen making lunch. And Reese is, is helping, or she and I are having BLTs together. And she's, uh, she's kind of pulling them together. And she says, Dad, do you want mayonnaise on yours? No, 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 no. I'll do that. I'll do that. And Rachel goes, you need to watch out for Dad and these kind of special enjoyments of his. <laughs> the emails. That's what you call the penny dropping. Because I wasn't trying to like get all the mayonnaise in the house onto the sandwich, right? That's classic gluttony. I just wanted the exact right amount of mayonnaise paired with perfectly cooked bacon and nice perky tomatoes on toasted bread. And then on that entire sandwich, you know, some bites have crust in them, so they're not that good. But there might be three or four bites that make me believe for just one moment that this is transcendent happiness. (laughs) That like everything disappears but me and that BLT. And I'm happy in that moment. You see, nobody looks to like the next Krispy Kreme to make them endlessly happy. We just want it for that moment. Nobody needs the exact right of mayonnaise, amount of mayonnaise on their sandwich unless I believe that just for that one or two bites, I can be as happy as humanly possible. That's, that's hoarding wealth to the hurt of the owner. That's the kind of belief that leads a man to use all of his gains selfishly. And as I see a father in this passage, I think I'm not just handing my kids emptiness, I'm handing them an inheritance of heartburn. I'm damaging them. I'm showing them this is what you do with your stuff. This is what you do. This is, uh, when I live that way, I'm displaying that I live at Chuck E. Cheese 
and I have to play the right games and get all the quarters I can, and I have to spend them all before I leave here. I have to accumulate the tickets to buy junk. But briefly, we also have to look at the flip side of this and ask ourselves, what kind of riches were entrusted to my father, to my dad? We all have a dad. What riches did he have? Does he have? What, was in, what, was, what did he spend his life acquiring? What has he given to me? I don't have a lot of interest in, in dumping on dads. I think we get a bad rap these days and probably, not for, and probably for good reason. But what I do want us to see is, look, this wealth thing tricked my dad. This wealth thing tricked my grandfather and my, and my great-grandfather. This wealth thing tricked all of my forefathers, and it's tricking me now. I want us to remember that this good advice, that good advice is not good enough. That just seeing the lie doesn't give me the power to defeat the lie or to live in a different way. It's like Eric said last week, that unless somebody introduces the existence, uh, the reality of God into this equation, there's no way out. I'm going to hand my kids, uh, I'm going to hold out empty hands to my kids. I'm going to give them an inheritance of wind. Because, because if, this, if Kohel is right, if this teacher is right, and that life is a breath, is a vapor, and that at death all things zero out and no one's going to remember you anyways, then of course we should eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Right? It only makes sense. Unless there's something beyond this, unless there's something bigger than this that I can't see right now. I fall into the same trap as my forefathers unless someone introduces God into my life. Because as we look at a bad father who hoarded his wealth and handed his kids emptiness, we have to acknowledge that we have not inherited that. We have a good father who took his treasure and gave him to us on the cross. And Jesus Christ, our Heavenly Father, gave us his treasure. And in life, we get the double dupe of wealth, a life poorly lived and a death of emptiness. But on the cross, Jesus gives us the double blessing of a life lived fully and wholly as a true human, giving wealth, giving all that he is over to us. And we also get in his death an inheritance. Scripture talks again and again about the inheritance that we receive from Christ that, never, that will never spoil, perish, or fade. An inheritance that, uh, that, that can't ever be taken from us because our God, our, our Jesus, doesn't hold out to us empty hands. He holds out to us scarred hands. And it's through that that love, that service that he's able to give us an inheritance that enables us to live in a different way now. This is not Chuck E. Cheese. This is not all there is. I don't have to spend all my coins before I leave. I don't have to accumulate as many tickets as I can to buy junk I don't need. 
I've been served. I've been uh, by Christ. I've been secured by him. I've been secured by him. And in this meal, we celebrate that truth. That this is the food that we need. That this is what will satisfy us. Not wealth accumulated to the hurt of its owner. But this, true food and true drink given to us by Christ Jesus. And so as we turn to the table, I'm going to ask our God to feed us truly. To feed our um, our new creation self. That we could start to starve out the self that clamors for Krispy Kreme donuts and the right amount of mayonnaise on a sandwich and all the tokens we can handle at Krispy at uh, uh, Chuck E. Cheese. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we turn to your supper, we ask that you would feed us truly. We ask that our rumbling tummies would be satisfied with what you offer that we would toil all the days that you give us and find joy in this life because we know that what we see is not all that there is. You've given us a rich inheritance in Christ Jesus. Amen.